0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueIronPods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All
1: right, guys, this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We'll talk about them later in the show. This is our trade deadline podcast. Very excited to get this going. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic to, to read Ali Khan Bajani and his fabulous work. And yeah, guys, let's get into it. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us.
2: And no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook
0: is on the freeway!
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Ali Khan Bajani, at Rockets underscore insider on Twitter. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm a little sleepy, a little tired, but it's trade deadline, so I have to buckle down, get with it. Um, normally, we wouldn't be doing a podcast today, but you know, it's one of those things where like the Rockets made a major, major trade, and how can you not do a podcast after that? Uh, and I wanted to wait a little bit of time, see if this deal got expanded. It still hasn't yet, so we can't wait much longer. Let's go ahead and get into it. I'm not going to break down this entire trade. I'm just going to break down the Rockets side of things because that's the rest is just way too complicated. This is the largest trade since 2000 when Patrick Ewing got traded to Seattle. It's just too much. So I'm just going to re- read the Rockets side of things. So bear with me. So the Rockets traded Clint Capella, Gerald Green, Nene, their 2020 first-round pick, and they got back Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and the 2024 Hawks second round pick. So if this trade goes through as is, they'll open up two roster spots and they'll create a trade exception worth over 5.8 million dollars. So your initial thoughts upon hearing that trade?
2: You know, my my initial thoughts were that the Rockets are going all in on this small ball concept. And in all intents and purposes, it's kind of revolutionary. That they're going to essentially say we're going to play this lineup uh, now with Robert Covington being the tallest guy in the lineup of six seven and shorter, and we're going to force you to adapt to us. And it's essentially up to the Rockets to make sure that they can box out, get enough rebounds, not necessarily win the rebounding battle all, all, most games, but just stay competitive enough and not give up too many second chance points. And with Covington. You're getting a guy, by the way, who's not somebody who's played in the scheme that is notably you know, switch dominant. It's, he's been a great guy to come off the weak side, help in the passing lanes, be a good one-on-one kind of defender. But he's done that within the structured defense, which is why he's been able to excel um, in Philadelphia, in Minnesota, places like that. And so when he comes to Houston now, you're going to ask him to kind of change the way he's played defensively a little bit. Not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying it's it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. He is a great one-on-one defender. But playing in a style like Houston's, where it's switched base, where communication is essentially everything, is going to be good and bad. I think, for me, the biggest thing that Robert Covington will do for this defense is bring another guy besides P.J. Tucker to help. And what I mean thats that is that when P.J. Tucker's off the ball on these sw- on these switches, he's able to kind of help Harden, Westbrook, whoever loses their man, help recover on their assignment and kind of make things go back to the way it was in terms of rotations. The Rockets had this a few years ago, and then you're essentially going to have a similar rotation now, albeit if there's another, another move, another, not another move to be made with Daniel House, Well, you'll be have Daniel House, you'll have Robert Cunningham, and you'll have P.J. Tucker. Three guys kind of alternating that four or five spot. And, oh, by the way, you have Cabo Cephalosia. But the way the Rockets like to, like to do it three years ago, two years ago, when they switched everything, they're going to have one of House, Tucker, and Covington on the floor at all times uh, to be able to play the style, of the style of play they want to. So I think defensively this is a great move for them in terms of what they want to do. Um, and I know that you have a lot of thoughts on offense.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and get back to the defense really quick. So this allows them to, to switch everything again on defense, which they haven't been able to do since 2017-18, the year that they won 65 games. Uh, what the Rockets found out pretty quick the next season was they didn't have the personnel to play the same way defensively. And now they get to double down, triple down, quadruple down on... I'm not even calling it small ball. I'm calling it micro ball. Because their, their center is 6'5". And what small ball traditionally entails is having a center to at least play the first 10 minutes of the game. The Rockets aren't even going to play around with that. They're not messing around with that. They're not even give, putting up the charade. They're going to start with with P.J. Tucker at center. And they're going to you know play with a small center the entire game. And when I mean small center, I mean small small center like some like most teams play small ball with a 6-8 guy at center the Rockets play small ball with the 6-5 guy at center and they're going to be doing that for 48 minutes a game and you're probably going to lose the rebounding battle for 48 minutes a game but what the Rockets are saying here is that we are good enough to force enough turnovers to where that doesn't even matter anymore we're going to force 17 18 19 turnovers per game we're gonna lead the league in forced turnovers. We're gonna we're gonna be a good defense that way. Our switching is gonna allow us to play in transition a lot more on offense. And going back to the offense uh, side of things, like I mean, it's hard not to bring this back to the Russell Westbrook trade, right? The Rockets, I don't think they do this move if they still have Chris Paul, because then you can surround James Harden with three shooters at all times. And with Westbrook, you can only surround him properly with their starting unit with only two. And now that they get they get Clint Capella out of the lane, they they get a properly spaced floor. So what they lose is pretty obvious. They lose that lob threat, and you know PJ Tucker sitting on the dunker spot, making a second defender pay for helping over. But what they're what they're thinking is that second defender is going to help over to the to close out the shooter, and if he doesn't, we have an open three. You don't have an open dunk anymore, but you have an open three that you didn't have before. So it's interesting. Um, it's gonna be harder to trap Houston. I think that's a big part of this that I haven't seen discussed a lot. Like you can't like it's really really hard to trap a team that has three shooters on the floor at all times. And I think they're gonna play a lot more transition basketball, as odd as that sounds, because they're up there in pace right now. They're gonna bomb threes. They're gonna shoot. I think they're gonna to get to fifty or more threes per game this year. Um, this is different, man. I, like y- your your gut instinct as someone who's been around basketball his whole life, like it's like I'm not like it's just repulsive, right? Like you've never seen a team try this before, play without a, at least one traditional center. But the Rockets, um, to their credit, and and in my trade column today, where I wrote about the trade, I. I like initially, I wanted to give them a C plus, but I I gave them a B minus because I kind of respect the fact that they're going all in on what they want to do. They know what they are. They're gonna double down on it. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna go back to their roots defensively, which is switching everything. Which, uh, which, you know, they they have not done the past year and a half. You know, they they played more of a drop back scheme with uh, Clint Capella. Uh, sliding back a little bit, and now th- this allows them to play switch defense. And you know it'll be interesting if, as you said, you know Roko can play that style. I think he can. Uh, I think you know if you, if you historically compare Robert to it's, it's funny. It's like the close the, the closest comparison I could find going back as a, as a player is actually Trevor Ariza. Like Trevor Riza profiles very similarly Robert, to Robert Covington uh, through his mid twenties. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, Trevor Riza was six eight, Robert Covington six seven. Trevor Riza had seven two wingspan, Robert Covington has a seven one wingspan. You know, Trevor Riza maybe wasn't the wasn't the offensive player that Robert Covington was, but Robert Covington certainly wasn't the defensive player that Trevor Riza was. So like you you know you can nitpick a little bit, but they're pretty. They profile pretty similarly. They have. For the first time in two years, they finally have a proper replacement for Trevor Ariza, someone who can move laterally on the perimeter with the best of them. And you know, I like I, I thought over the past couple of years that Robert Covington was kind of one of those wing players that has gone a little bit overrated over the past few years. Like that's just the way wing wing players are nowadays. Like they generally are you know if when you if you pull out if you put out a top 100 list they're generally ranked 10 spots too high every single year because that's just what basketball like likes right now but i he, he's still a really pretty damn good player like if you're talking about like the, the tiers for small forwards he's, he's, he's in the top 10 small forwards in the NBA for sure and obviously for the rockets he's not going to play small forward he's going to play power forward mostly and maybe even some center but Yeah, it's 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 as you said, it's revolutionary. It's different. It's doubling down on what you wanted on micro ball, Um, and I don't know if it's gonna work. Honestly, I I really don't. Like you could ask me uh, in two weeks, and I'll have a better answer. But we really have to see more of this. They've won four games in a row like this, and that's without Robert Covington. So that's I guess they have that in their favor, but. You know, for an 82 game season and for a for a postseason run, when you're gonna have to go against teams like the Lakers, who have Anthony Davis, or the Nuggets, who have Nikola Jokic, or the Jazz, who have Rudy Gobert, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Like you have some advantages in that you you're quicker than them, and you can you're you're playing better in space than them, but they are gonna wreck you on the class. You just are like, you're foregoing the rebounding battle, like the, as a team. I've never seen that before.
2: I think when, when it comes into this Rockets small ball team, compared to what we theoretically know as small ball, it's different that the Rockets will usually have four ball handlers on the court. Now, that being said, with Covington, you want to pair Covington and Tucker in that closing lineup. Um, but in reality, for most of the game, when those guys are getting rests or whatever it may be, you're going to have um, four ball handlers on the court with James, Russ, Eric, Austin, um Daniel Ben you think know, things like that, are three or four and, and and usually when you look at other teams who go smaller They have two ball handlers a one ball handler and multiple shooters. I mean it all really depends and I think That's what the Rockets are banking on is okay. We're gonna go extra small, but you know what? There's two things that we have going for us number one um, We have multiple ball handlers who can get you off the dribble so even if you want to play your center and force us to go big your center's going to have to defend one of our ball handlers at one point if we run our actions and force a switch and they're going to have the downsize as that continues to happen and secondly defensively you have guys on this Rockets team are very stout I think Coach Antoni doesn't use the word thick uh, when he talks about his guys he uses the word stout and defensively you can trust Eric Borden you can trust James Harden they even want to trust Russell Westbrook down in the post because they're quick guys who have quick hands and out of all of them, I think Robert Cummings has better hands than all of them, just because he's so quick and kind of, you know, you, leveraging his hands and his arms to force turnovers. And they, they will invite that post up battle. They will invite teams to post up because they want you to waste time setting up in isolation, setting up on a mismatch, because they can send a favorable double and they can get into their rotations. They can force turnovers. This is exactly how they almost beat the Warriors back in uh, the Western Conference Finals. Um, and so I think with this small ball lineup team, or even this, what we call a micro small ball. Um, micro, ball.
1: That micro, micro ball. Micro ball. Yes.
2: Micro ball. There we go. I think we're going to see that. And I think Rockets fans have to understand is This is what sets them apart from other small or my, smaller teams is that since they are going micro, they have multiple ball handlers, more ball handlers than other small ball teams have had. And they're hoping with, how they're able to collapse the defense and shoot the basketball so they can force the opposing team to
1: adjust to them. All right, we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Missed your chance to bet on Chiefs Niners? Fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with online to help you win big no matter the time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, bet online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your bet for future Super Bowl 2021. Head over to BetOnline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy, and if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at BetOnline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I'm going to make microball a thing. I am. Other people are going to say it. I I can already hear it catching on. It's going to become a thing. Don't worry. But um going back to what you said about centers, I think the biggest advantage you have against teams like the jazz is that you have you you can pull rudy gobert away from the rim right like that you or or you force them to leave a wide open three point shooter and the rockets will take that right and uh hopefully that three point shooter hits like thirty five to forty percent of their three pointers for their sake right they have to they have to be on uh but uh for the most part, like if you're leaving a 35 to 40 percent three point shooter wide open, like their percentages are going to spike. They're they're closer to a 40 percent three point shooter at that point. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting if t- how teams try to deal with how bigger teams try to deal with the Rockets. If they do indeed uh, play into their hands and have the rim protector go away from the rim, or if they stay with their principles and have Gobert uh, stay next to the rim. I I don't know. You know, I really don't know. Uh, this is. This is so different from anything any other team's ever done. Like again, even the Warriors had Zaza Pachulia and Andrew Bogut. Like they they didn't. That they, they played the charade of at least having a center out there for ten to fifteen minutes, just like you know, in, in the beginning of like, beginning of games. Like, and those guys play like twenty five minutes a game. Like the Rockets aren't even aren't even going to mess around with that. They're they have Jordan Bell in the fold, and I'm curious to see how much he plays. I think at the, at the moment they're scouring the market for centers, but. I, I I don't really know whatever center they pick up. I, I don't know how how much they're going to play in a playoff setting. I really don't. Like I, I think they're 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 betting on PJ Tucker being their center full time, which is if Jordan Bell
2: does stay here. Yeah. Um. What the advantage the Rockets do have if he does end up staying, um, is that Houston can see how he performs for the rest of the season and then pick up his options the next season, which is favorable to them because they're able to kind of figure out okay if this style of play is successful to them, can we see Jordan Bell develop the kind of player they would like? Um, and so we'll see what happens in terms of Jordan Bell. A point I wanted to just follow up on in terms of the center conversation. When the Rockets are playing with a center, they're doing it for a primary reason against these bigger teams. It's to make sure that Clint Capella can run down the floor and tire guys like Gobert, Jokic, people like that, use his length and physicality and in his quickness to kind of get those guys off-bounds, especially on offense. Um, but what's interesting is the, the, the numbers for non-James Harden Rockets when Clint Capella is on the floor versus Clint Capella is off the floor. These are the numbers of guys like Eric Gordon, Russell Westbrook and Austin Rivers shooting percentage around the rim with Clint Capella. Okay? So here's Russell Westbrook. He shoots 54% at the rim when playing with Russell Westbrook. Without, uh, when playing with Clint Capella, sorry. Without Clint Capella in the game, he's shooting 65% around the rim. That's big. And, in fact, that number is a big reason why that the Rockets made this trade. They are optimizing the way Russell Westbrook can get into open space and finish around the rim and create penetration for his teammates to get open shots. Uh, another guy, Austin Rivers. When Clint, when Clint is in the game, he's shooting 48% around the rim. He loves to get to that right hand. That floater, that layup with his right hand, he loves getting to that spot. A little bit more difficult when you have a big in the game. When they go small ball, and Clint Capella is not in the game, Austin Rivers shooting 63% around the rim. Lastly, Eric gordon he I, I, I'm, I'm going to say the caveat, his numbers are a little bit skewed because of the fact that he, he was injured early in the season. He's still coming back. But when he has played with Clint on the floor, 27% around the rim. Without Clint, 62% around the rim. Those are really big differences um, when you look at the minutes that they spend with Clint versus without Clint and how they're shooting around the brim. And with the way the Rockets are playing, their points in the paint has actually increased these last few games. They're shooting a lot of threes for sure, but they're getting to the paint so much. And if guys like Austin, Eric, and Russell, three guys who defenses work close out hard on and kind of forced to create offense can score that well, at that high of a percentage around the rim, that's only going to make the small ball attack much more potent.
1: So l- let me ask the central question here is, uh, and I-, I know it's not fair the way I'm going to frame this, but let's just say this is their last move. Let's say this is the only move they make at the trade deadline, which I, I doubt. Like, I think they're going to do more. But let's say this is... By the way,
2: someone, I just want to give a quick shout-out to PolarFall on Twitter, at PolarFall. These are his numbers that he pulled up for me today. Um, and just so I, I want to just give him a quick shout out for those numbers. Those has are terrific. a terrific comparison to see how well Clint, um, how well you know, were the Rockets were doing with and without Clint on the floor. Sorry about that. Go ahead.
1: No, you're good. Uh, so going back to the question. So like, let, let's just say this is the last move the Rockets do at the deadline. And again, I don't think that's the la- it's the last move they do. Let's say it, let's say this for the sake of this argument. Did the Rockets get better today?
2: I don't know. I'm not ready to say they got better. I don't. I. I still have to watch the film. I still have to, you know, look at the way everything goes and how everything finishes out. But as of today, I don't know if they've gotten better so much.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I I don't know either. Like it's so confusing. Like, and you almost never want to doubt what Daryl Morey and that brain trust has in that front office. Like they're usually way like three steps ahead of us, but. I, I mean I gotta tell you like like playing without a at least one good center is it's risky like it's it's really risky again especially against the Lakers and against the the nuggets and against the jazz like going back to uh our center conversation like they, they've lost the biggest advantage they had in that Denver series like Clint Capella killed the nuggets he killed the Nuggets like the Nuggets could not defend that pick and roll with harden and, and Capella and that that is just gone it's just, it's just gone that that's that's something they don't have to worry about anymore like i'm pretty sure the nuggets are at least a little bit happy about that but they ha- they ha- they now have a new advantage like jokic now has to guard a shooter for 48 minutes which you know i it'll be interesting to see how that goes like i, I again like we have to see this like i i'm with you we have to see at least like 2 weeks of this and um you know one thing I can say the Rockets have in their favor is they picked up a pretty damn good player here. You know, like they, they, they if you are gonna, if you are gonna find, if you are gonna swap out uh, a wing for Clint Capella, this is one of the wings that makes it worth it, right? Like it, it, you can't do this with like Jay Crowder or Marvin Williams. Like you have to do it with someone strong, uh, someone athletic, and someone still relatively young. Uh, and um, the Rockets did that. Um, I, I, I again, let's, let's talk about if the Rockets expand this trade, what did they do? It looks like they're scouring the market for Eastern Conference centers, uh, according to Kelly Eco's last report. Um, and you know there are a lot of options there. Uh, Alex Lenz, an interesting guy from the Hawks. Uh, it, it would work conveniently there because the Hawks are in this trade. Um, you know you could you could go to the Warriors see if you can nab Kevon Looney. You know that's the ideal, right? Like that's that's the guy that the Rockets wanted um, this summer, and he would fit beautifully into a switching system so th- that that's another option you know i, I the, there, there are a bunch of options here is there someone that sticks off the page for you is if if the rockets expand the trade or if this is the trade and they scour the market after the trade for centers is there someone that you're looking at that okay th- this is someone that fills in that hole for the rockets temporarily you know there's i
2: think there's a lot of guys out there um I really like Aaron Baines. I think he'd be terrific. But, and Daniel Tice too, I think when the conversation with the Celtics was going on about different players, I think Tice would be great here. But when you're looking at the types of centers that the Rockets need, it's not just about the rim running, it's also about the type of screener that the Rockets can get somebody who's physical, able to kind of open up driving lanes for James. Um, That's going to be important because when you go against a guy, when you go against teams like Denver, Utah there's two different styles of play the Rockets have against those two teams one is they're gonna run spread pick and roll they're gonna run double drag screens that's like two or three guys who are setting screens for James Harden drawing the defense high towards the perimeter and kind of having a rim threat going going there so it's great if you do have a rim threat but there's a reason why Clint's pick and roll numbers have gone down the last few seasons Um, it's because the Rockets are going into straight into or going straight into isolation on most of these possessions so you have Clint already in the dunker spot getting ready to dunk getting ready to you know, cut and dunk the ball. When you look at his physical profile, he's you know, he's big, but he's still not as big as some of these other centers on the league. I think if the Rockets are gonna get somebody, they would ideally want somebody who can finish around the rim through contact. That's easier said than done. But you don't need anybody who can high fly and do all these things because most of the time they're gonna be in isolation. You need somebody who's able to catch and go up and finish it on contact because those are what the cutters, um, like that's, that's what essentially was, was Clint's responsibility is when James was in isolation and he beat his man off the dribble and tied downhill. He was, if the team collapsed on him, he was going to make that dump off pass. And more than likely a health defender was going to come and, you know, chip on Clint before he got the shot up. So you ideally want a center who can score the basketball in that, with that type of shot selection. Um, I think a big center would be great for this team.
1: Yeah, th- th- that's an option. Um, what about the center that they did acquire? What do we think about Jordan Bell? Because he has, th- this is one of those things where the Rockets are taking a project on on basically. Like they- they're trying to recuperate his career, trying to see if if they can make him a productive player again. Uh, how many minutes does he play with the Rockets? And and do you think, you know, did do- you think there's a possibility that he's the guy? And the Rockets use their two roster spots on like wings.
2: No. You know, last I heard that the Rockets were looking for a center um, as they were trying to expand the trade and just looking at trades overall. Um, but like you said, they are also still looking at wings. There's a lot of possibilities out there for the Rockets. They are working the phones. Um, but when it comes to Jordan Bell, it's interesting because Babo Cephalosha, when we first, you know, talked about him in the summer, we, we thought that, you know, he could be a guy that could get, you know, some good solid rotation minutes. And early on in the season, he struggled. But when the Rockets have gone small, he's essentially become the backup five. And he's done a great job. He's a guy with high IQ who, even on the bench, if you have a chance to watch a Rockets game in person or you're able to watch a feed where you can see the Rockets bench, look at the way Thabo is kind of talking to the younger guy. He's always involved in the game. He's always kind of teaching the guys what's going on. We're talking about the different plays that could have happened. And, and I think that is the kind of guy that you want on the court. That being said, if Jordan Bell is here, do you play Jordan Bell or do you play Thabo? And I think that's a question depending on the matchups. But the way Thabo has played, especially as a facilitator, I think you want a guy like Thabo out
1: there too. You know, what's interesting is, you know, over the last four games, Thabo has been playing 13 and a half minutes per game. He is a plus 16.3 per 100 possessions in that time. That's that's just ludicrous. Um, That's, uh, wow. O- offensive rating of 124.1 defensive rating of 107.8 that's really good you know Tabo's smart man he just he just knows where to be and he's re- and he's a really great communicator and that's probably his his greatest strength like you know at at his advanced age he still talks better than most on the rockets the rockets have not been a great communication team this year and uh if they if the rockets want to incorporate Tabo i mean this is their chance i mean if they're going to play microball why? Why not have Tabo in? Why? Why not make him your permanent backup center, or you know, try him, trot him out there for at least five, ten minutes of game, see if you can give you productive minutes. Um, yeah, it, it's in, it's interesting. So, any closing thoughts before we hang up here?
2: I think we need to pay attention to the buyout market. The Rockets, if they cannot get a trade done before tomorrow's deadline or today's deadline, depending on when you're listening uh, to us. Um, Thursday's headline. Let's keep it at that. If the Rockets can't get a trade done before Thursday's deadline, be on the lookout for guys around the league who can come in and play center. Um, last week, if you asked me who were some of the trade uh, buyout targets that the Rockets were looking at, I tell you it's going to be saturated when these when buyout talks start happening. It's going to be saturated with a lot of threes and fours, and by that I mean guys who can you know are the hybrid three or four model. What the Rockets need is a hybrid four-and-five model. Now, they hopefully have that now with Robert Covington, but they're still going to need a, a center or two to help spell um, time, especially when they want to go big. They want to make sure in case anything happens, especially with matchups, they have a capable center who can play and kind of be trusted to um, go against Jokic, Davis, guys like that. But they're all enough a small ball. Um, I think more than anything, this trade tells me that It's up to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. This team has adapted to Russell Westbrook totally. They took what Russell Westbrook's strength is, is to get to the rim, spread out, five-out offense, and they essentially gave away their best young prospect on a team in Capella, for a wing who can help Russell Westbrook be successful. And if that doesn't tell you that this team is all in this season and is willing to do whatever it takes, draft capital withstanding, to make that happen, this is it. This is the season. Rockets are all in. And if you're a Rockets fan, you're hoping that the moves they're making, the moves that they have made, are going to give this team a good chance. And I, and I, I look at small ball in this way. that You know, that you know, old cliche, high risk, high reward. I think the way the Rockets are going to play and the way we want to play, it's the best variance they have towards winning a championship. And that's what the Russell Westbrook trade was all about, is to increase their ceiling to get to that point. I think going in all, all all in on small ball is to help increase that variance and give them a better chance to get to that championship.
1: What I'll say here is this: this trade reminds me a lot of what the what the Raptors did last year by trading Vonjunes for Marc Gasol. In that we did not see that coming. It, it was very clear that the the Raptors were all in on winning a title this season, and it seems like the Rockets are there too. You know, like, I, I remember a conversation at the Sloan conference with, uh, like, Daryl Morey was recalling a conversation he had with um with Jeff Van Gundy. And this is back when the Rockets had Yao Ming. And what the numbers were telling him were that, were that the Rockets were better with Dukembe Mutombo on the floor than they were with Yao Ming. And Jeff was like, okay, so what do you want me to do with this? And uh, Daryl was like, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just telling you. And Jeff was like, listen, you either believe this or you don't. And that's kind of where the Rockets are today. You either believe this or you don't. Uh, And it's very clear that from the top top bottom, they believe in playing the style of basketball. Mike D'Antoni is is being given all the tools he needs to play the style of basketball that he wants to play. This is Mike D'Antoni ball at its fullest. If you look at a lot of the fan reaction today, you'll see a lot of disdain, a lot of what are you doing Mike, a lot of like you have to play a center at some point. Like this is a lot of the same reaction that Mike was getting in 2006. If I, if I could put a lot of the listeners in this podcast in a time machine and take you guys back there. Like, you know, yeah, we didn't have Twitter back then, but fans were still vocal on forums and newspapers were still were still booming. Like th- this is this is what they were saying. Like they were talking about Mike uh, as this crazy guy who was just who was trying to turn the league on its head, and this is what the Rockets are doing today in a completely different direction. Like they're they're not only playing power forwards at center, they're playing small forwards at center now. I, I just think it's it's really really interesting. It's it's a league wide point of interest story. Like like a lot of people are watching the Rockets right now for a completely different a different reason than when they started the season. They they want to see
2: ramifications. This has potentially major ramifications for mm-hmm.
1: the rest of the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if if this works, I mean, this is a copycat league. Other pe- other teams are going to try to do this next year. Um and for the longest time the Rockets have had uh have been ahead of the curve in a lot of different areas, analytics, three-point shooting, uh, they, they were the first team to introduce reverse protections on draft picks. Uh, and for the last couple of years, they lost that ahead of the curve mentality. Like, like the league caught up with them. You know, a, a lot more teams are shooting more threes. A lot of teams were playing small. Th- this is their way of, of being bold again. You know, this is their way of, of staying two steps ahead of the league again. And, um, you know, while like, Seventy-five percent of the league would be afraid to do a thing like this. The Rockets aren't, Um, and this is very clearly a point of reckoning for the team. Like Mike D'Antoni's on the final year of his contract. Um, There's there's uncertainty with ownership, and that means you know Daryl Morey's not safe as well. So you know this this is this is a pivotal point for the organization. It's I think this is really really fascinating. Uh, I'm not sure if I 100% believe in this, but I'm I'm definitely going to be watching, and I I'm sure the listeners will be too.
2: I know. It's, I, I think if you're a Rockets fan, all you have to do is sit back and enjoy because the team is all in. Um, the team knows that this is the best chance for Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I mean, the, their team and their offenses are already around surrounding that too. But if anything, like someone said, this trade goes all in on those guys and the rest of the league is watching and it should be fun. Let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, uh, subscribe to Renee Shoes Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitchers. Give us five stars on iTunes. That really helps people find the show. Follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Ali Khan on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. And yeah, guys, good night.